passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Getting into the segment, getting ready for Bucks eight and seven, Saints seven and eight, and we're bringing in J.C. Allen, Bucks reporter and writer for Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated's Bucks game day. He also hosts a podcast called Pirate Parlay. It's not about betting; it's about pirates. As it's about you, the Bucks, as you might have guessed. Um, but you know. You know, JC, it's funny because you look at these two teams. One is eight and seven. One is seven and eight. And I think in a different world, you'd be like, well, both these teams are terrible. But I think because of how the Bucs approach this season, it's only a one game difference. But it feels like a huge difference in terms of how these seasons have gone for Tampa compared to New Orleans. I'm just curious. So what's the what's the vibe these days around around this team? Oh, all positivity. Uh, they they know they control their own destiny. They know a win against the Saints locks up the NFC South, gives them the four seed, and, and you know, um, you know, kind of cements uh, possibly a winning record um, for the first time since two years ago. Last year was obviously one of those, yeah. you know, up and down seasons. But I, I think when you look at it, the Bucks started out three and one, went on a one and six game losing streak, won four in a row with a chance to potentially win two more and finish out the season on a six game win streak. Um, you look at this team and a lot of people counted them out right off the get, you know, they're going to have a top three pick, but the talent on this team has always been there. It's always, you know, you looked at it and you're like, how is this team, even with Baker Mayfield, who I thought got the benefit, uh, didn't get the benefit of the doubt. You look at him, what he came in to deal with in the league. Um, he had his best season when he was healthy in 2020. Then last, you know, his, his last season in, in Cleveland, 
He was all sorts of banged up. Last year was never a fit anyways. We talked about that schematically and everything the first time I was on this show. And, you know, it took a while for the offense to kind of get the system, get the scheme, get the concept, especially in the run game. But now that they have, you've seen the offensive output the last couple of games. They've been able to move the ball uh, down the field, been able to put points on the board. Um, and the defense has really kind of tightened up a little bit too to, to prevent these teams from, from moving the ball. They're still letting up a lot of explosive plays down the field, but the red zone defense is one of the best in the league. Uh, obviously, you mentioned with Baker Mayfield, what has been the key with him the last couple of games? Dude's been on a heater, and obviously the biggest key, right. not turning over the ball. Right, yeah. I think it's it's you know a firm grasp of the system. Remember, he was in that quarterback competition in the offseason with Kyle Trask, so he split half of those snaps. So he had to – it took – it was going to take him a while, A, to get the system down at the back of his hand because he had to make up all those snaps, and then B, get on that same chemistry and wavelength with his players. And you're seeing that now. They're starting to have the same chemi- – the, the chemistry is there. Um, he knows the system inside and out. Dave Canales, the uh, rookie offensive play caller, his play calling and sequencing has gotten much better. The run game I had – uh, Dave Canales on my podcast earlier, and he said, you know, even in Seattle, it took about half a season for the guys up front to really get the blocking schemes and get what we we're trying to do in the run game. And once that we hit that turning point, you know, you saw the success. And, you know, that's kind of what happened this year. The run game has been much better, which has made it easier for Baker. His decision making has been better. Uh, did play against Carolina. So, I mean, you kind of throw that one out there too. But they had just gotten all the weapons back from IR. So, you know, you kind of look at that as well. But anytime you're facing a Joe Barry offense, a defense, I guess, you know, that's a gimme as well. But I think when you look at the situation uh, that Baker was in uh, in previous years, and this year there was always that what if, right? What if he's healthy? What if he's in a system that highlights his strengths? And you're seeing that right now play out in the last four games. Yeah, I do. I do wonder, you know, as it, it kind of reminds me of the situation Seattle was in last year where you, you move on from Russ and you kind of bring in you bring in Geno Smith and everyone's like, oh, this is kind of just a just a walkover year. You're, he's keeping right. the seat warm for whoever they're going to end up drafting. And then he plays well. Right. Kind of ruins that draft pick at the end of the day. Like, I don't know if Seattle is happier now because of that. But, you know, obviously they they are competitive. They have a chance to make the playoffs. So, right. You know, but but they did pay they did pay Gino right, and mm-hmm. so I do wonder you know Baker's on that one year deal. What do you do? Do you can do you kind of because I feel like the the it was kind of built to tear right like it was never a it was never a we're going to bring in Baker and see if he's the QB of the future. It was more and correct me if I'm wrong. It was more like okay we're going to see what happens this year and move on. But I think the idea was always there's a lot of QBs in this draft. We can find our next starter and we're not going to over. Right sell anything this year that limits us down the road well well you you think do you have a quarterback that's played well enough to give him that you know i don't know whatever that geno level deal is i i think you do and i think when the the bucks ultimately when they walked in the season they're like well let's see what we have right he's a formal number one overall pick he's immensely talented it's not like this guy hasn't been talented He, he went through three offensive coordinators and three head coaches in his first three seasons you know um when he finally got some stability, he had his best season, led the Browns to the playoffs in the first time since however long. Um, the next year, he's hurt, wearing a shoulder sling, can barely throw the ball. They decide to go get Deshaun Watson. That hasn't worked out well for them. And again, he went to a Matt Rule system. Matt Rule was fired quickly. That system just was not fit for what what his strengths are. They didn't have all the pieces around him. Um, and, and they moved on from him. But when you look at you know what the Bucs envisioned, hey, if we're competitive, we're winning this, 
you know, going to win this division, maybe make a, a small splash in the playoffs, then why not stick with Baker? You look at the landscape around the field right now um, in free agency at quarterback, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles. He's most likely going back to Minnesota anyways. Do you really want to roll the dice with Ryan Tannehill? No, you probably don't. Do you want to reunite with Jameis Winston? No, you probably don't. You know, so like if everything worked out, you weren't going to be in a position to to get one of those guys, to get a Drake May, to get a, a Caleb Williams, and, you know, to get a Jaden Daniels who's come out of nowhere really kind of this season and really put up phenomenal stats. Or, you know, maybe you're in the range for a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix, one of those guys, maybe a Mike McCarthy, ew. But I <laughs> I don't. I don't. JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy. JJ, whatever. J, both of them. Mike is uh, the head coach of the Cowboys. Yeah, both. They're both <laughs> terrible. But no, um, I think, like, you know, when you look at it, sure, maybe you get one of those guys in the first round, but then you're at that point, you're probably not going to start them right away. You're not going to throw them right in the fire. So you need a guy. So I think the plan was if Baker performs well, if the offense does well, if the if the team does well, then yes, we'll bring this guy back. At three years, $75 million, that's 25. That's a lower, lower end of the quarterback market. And I think that's a fair deal. Um, he wants to be in Tampa, which is huge for their negotiation process. And they, they're going to want him back, you know. And at the end of the day, it's still $75 million less than the Saints gave Derek Carr. So what can you do? That's fair. Hey, you look at the, uh, the that Buccaneers receiving core, uh, obviously Mike Evans, someone who leads the way for them. Guy, number one in receiving touchdowns right now. Uh, in the NFL, just talk about how much that developed the, the relationship with him and Baker has developed since the beginning of the season. I just, um, it just seems more and more confidence Baker has in him to just throw it up, and he knows he's going to get it. Yeah, Mike is just he's he's always been an underrated performer. Um, you know, his route running is is super underrated. It's not just a deep ball jump guy go get it. You know, Chris Godwin is probably a better contested catch receiver than Mike Evans, and you're starting to see that. The ability of the last three seasons, really, with Byron Leftwich, were all about you know long developing routes, um, vertical routes, you know no risk it, no biscuit type deal. And by last year, it worked the first two years because you had Gronk and AB and all these other guys around you to focus on. The last year, when you could just too high Mike the whole game and take him yeah. out of it, it was difficult for him to to get production, especially because. The offense was so antiquated. Teams knew what they were doing. They didn't change a damn thing since 2020, <laughs> you know, except their tight end, the Kate Ott. And that's like, that's, they didn't, and they're running back. Like they, they knew what teams were going to do against them, what the Bucks were going to do with it. And, and they played their hand. This year, Mike's lining up all over the place. He's lining up in the slot. The depth of his routes have changed. He's still that guy who can go down, take the, take a guy down the seam and win one-on-one. But, a lot of what they're doing now is moving him around all of the field. So he's not getting these tight releases where he's able to get some space in his releases and, and confuse some of the safeties and, and, and manufacture some of these one-on-ones instead of just, you know, beating his man or them having, if you're the Panthers having a mental lapse and not doubling Mike, <laughs> you know, um, he, they're, they're able to do that. And, and Baker relies and trusts him so much because of the, the connections they have and because of the track record. I mean, Mikey's one of the best guys to do it in the league, um, and he's proven that. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. If you take out tight ends, he's 10th all-time in touchdown receptions. He's climbing up the yardage list as well. Um, and when you have a guy like that, you know he can make plays, so, you so you know, you find him make plays. It's been all season, and, you know, uh, it's come alive the last couple weeks for sure with, you know, the 
two touchdown games and just getting him um, in these situations. And that a lot of that credit goes to Dave Canales too, is just putting him in these situations to, to thrive and Baker realizing I've got the guy, I'm going to give the ball to the guy yeah. and make some magic happen. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he's not gonna he's not gonna have to deal with Marshawn Lattimore this time. So I right. I am sucks, I, I am very worried about about what Mike what Mike might be doing in this game. But I am <clears> curious. <throat> and this is one of the these second these rematches are always kind of fascinating in terms of the chess match of like what works in week four versus you know how you might try to change that up. So I I guess what I know the run game has really picked up for the for the Bucks over this winning streak. And you know what has been different for this team compared to what the saints saw early in the year. It seems like there's pretty good health in terms of you haven't seen a ton of changes necessitated by that on the buck side. Whereas on the Saints side, it's a very different looking roster right. based on uh, the health. Right. One of the things other than Russell Gage and Ryan Jensen is the bucks don't mm-hmm. have anyone on long-term injured reserve. So health has been a huge um, on, on the side of them for sure. Carlton Davis is, in concussion protocol, they've had guys out for a few games at a time, but no in long term. So they've been able to get a lot of those guys back, which has been huge for them um, as far as no season-ending injuries. Knock on wood. This is actually <laughs> particle board. Let me knock on the real wood. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I think you know that's part of it. But like I mentioned, the running game getting going, the system, Baker knowing the system better, Dave Canales finding his groove as a play caller and a sequencer. Because, I mean, that was his fourth ever game calling plays at the NFL level. So, you know, having all this experience and the experience with the young guys, too. You know, you look at guys like Christian Izian, who was playing his fourth ever game at, at Nickel. Now he's got a ton of experience. Yaya Diaby has really come on. He's been the starter for the last five games. He's probably on pace to win defensive rookie of the year right now. Had a one and a half sack, two sack performance. However you call them, a sack is a sack to me. But Force fumble, fumble recovery. He's just been lights out over the last couple of weeks. Kalaja Kansi, who you guys didn't get to see in week one, has been a force as well. He's right up there. They're one, two in tackles for loss. He's an explosive get in the backfield type of guy. They've got other guys who've gotten snaps too. Kayvon Merriweather at safety if he needs to come in. Uh, so they've got a lot of young guys. They had a lot of undrafted guys. They had a lot of drafted guys come in and make make plays. Kane Durham has stepped up. He made a really nice catch. Last week, um, he's not going to be used a ton, but you know there's another tight end weapon that they have to, to use at their at their disposal. Cade Otten's blocking has night and day from week four, so there's quite a few changes. Not much in personnel wise, just as experience wise. Um, whether that's in the system, whether that's the young guys getting play, whether that's the offensive coordinator um, getting that experience throughout the system. I would say experience is probably the biggest thing from week four to now and cohesiveness, you know, experience in the run block. So, I mean, I, I think that would be the biggest change from now. But the personnel grouping is still pretty much the same. They did make a change at left guard with Aaron Sinney coming in from Matt Filer. But other than that, that's about it. Also impressive with this Buck squad. Uh, <laughs> they are plus 10, uh, obviously, in the plus minus giveaway takeaway ratio. Uh, not getting a ton of takeaways, but obviously that means they're holding on to the football. Yeah, I mean, they, um, you know, you look at Baker has only one interception in the last four weeks. Um, so, you know, he's not giving the, well, he had a fumble, but he's not giving the ball away and they're taking the ball away. Antoine Winfield Jr., in my mind, should not only be an all pro, but probably the defensive player of the year. I mean, if you, you want to look at, you take away the sack numbers, right? Don't just focus on the sack numbers, which they love to do. 
look at impact on a team and and who has impacted the team the most, who has kept them in games, who has won them games. Sam Tolentville Jr. I mean, for safety, he's got over 100 tackles, three interceptions, four you know fumble recoveries, five forced fumbles, five sacks. He's been doing it in every single way possible a safety can do it, and he's been a huge catalyst of that. So. I, I think, you know, you look at him and what he's been able to do as far as generating turnovers, I think he's he, he should at least be on the ballot, if not a top three, if not the top guy, but a top three guy as far as that. And, you know, other guys have stepped up and contributed too. And, and like I just said, Yaya Diaby had that forced fumble, fumble recovery. So it's all, you know, Baker not making mistakes with the football. A lot of it too is, you know, Rashad White has been really sound and secure with the ball, not fumbling. Um, you know, there hasn't been many turnovers as far as, um, you know, tip balls off wide receivers' hands. They're either in the dirt or they're caught. Um, you know, so th- that's been huge, too. You know, you see a lot of those t- times, sometimes quarterbacks, you know, they have those those interceptions and they start piling up because they're going off guys' fingertips. That really hasn't happened this year. Baker's had a few tipped at the line and intercepted. That's been a big issue. Him, you know. You know, guys with, with longer arms can get in the way and knock some balls down, but they haven't resulted in many turnovers. So that's been a huge plus for them as well. You, you dealing with a cat over there? What's going on? I got a cat. I got kids. It's spring <laughs> break, man. It's, I'm not, my wife is working in, in my um, in, in my office. So it's like, it's, I'm out in the kitchen trying to just survive the wilderness, you know? Gotcha. I understood. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Break. Break. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it, it is funny because it's like we, we talked a lot about a lot of things this Bucks have done well, but they did have that stretch where they went one in six. So I guess my question is when things weren't going well, what was going wrong? You know, what what are kind of the pitfalls that this team has run into when it has run into them? Because that's, you know, it's kind of strange because we've we talked about this before we came on, you know, from what I've seen of the Bucks, it's been spectacular. I've paid pretty close attention for that three and one start, which included that pretty sound win over the Saints. And I've paid pretty close attention over the last several weeks because getting ready for this matchup. But in between that, it was, you know, down in flames for a period of time. So what right. did go wrong during that stretch? It was Bucks beating Bucks. Um, really, that's what it came down to. It was, you know, taking themselves out of position in scoring drives with penalties, um, you know, making bonehead mistakes and coverage lapses, letting guys get behind you for those big, great, big games. Really, if you look back at the tape, the Bucks have never been out of a game at halftime. Not to any of, not to San Francisco, not to the Bills, not to the Eagles, not to any of these top Lions, not to any of these top teams in the NFL, especially in the NFC, have they been out of a game at halftime. After halftime, during that streak, 
it was just self-destruct mode. They'd get holding penalties, false start penalties, defensive pass interference penalties. They'd be miscommunication on the defensive end to let guys just book it down the field behind them. That was a huge part of why they were losing those games, not being able to finish games out. Some of the turnovers happened in there as well with Baker. But, you know, that was a huge thing is just beating themselves um, because they were either beating teams or down one score in every game this season that they've lost. So they've kind of cleaned up penalties a lot. Um, obviously, Baker's not turning the ball over as much. Um, the defensive is tight, kind of tightened up a little bit. They're not giving, you know, they're still giving up explosives, but not explosives to beat them. Their red zone defense is tightened up. Their red zone offense has has produced a little bit more as well. And again, that all goes back to experience, right? Finding their groove in the system, finding their groove as players, finding their groove as play callers. You know, that was a adversity point, and they're coming out of that, you know, now with a chance to close out the season strong and and potentially make a splash in the playoffs where you look, especially in the last couple of weeks in the NFC, the top dogs have all gotten beaten in upsets. You know, it's like there's no one has really, I mean, I guess you can look to San Francisco and say, yeah, they're probably the best team in the league, but you know, at least in the NFC, but they, they've shown that they can be beatable. The Bucks nearly beat them. You know, the Eagles, the Bucks nearly beat them. You know, it's, it, I think it's wide open for the Bucks if they can continue to make a splash. Now, I'm not picking them as Super Bowl favorites or anything like that. I just think that once they get into the dance, I always thought their ceiling was, okay, maybe their absolute ceiling was upset a team on wild card weekend. You know, like that was their division, and then they're, they're bounced out. So um, I have them at 10-7. and seven. They win these last two games. They're at 10-7. and seven. But if they can, you know, stay not beating themselves and continue the play that they've had, you know, they've got a chance to maybe end someone's uh, playoff run a little early. Curious, you know, the uh, weather forecast at all for New Year's Day, uh, New Year's Eve in in Tampa. uh, I'm not (laughs) know if it's going to be a a chilly one or expecting any rain or just a normal uh, game day experience. It looks like it's going to be 42 low, 66 high, sunny. (laughs) So great football weather. Yep. So I have to bring a jacket. <laughs> it's chilly in Florida at 66. My friends up north, they all like say I'm crazy. I'm like, well, you guys don't understand. It's a different type of cold. Right. Yeah, trust me. I, it, well, and there's not the the level of humidity either that we get here to keep it a little warmer. Right. Um. That's so. uh, yeah, guys. I've I've been to that stadium before, but it was for uh, I think I drove down for a Giants game like back in like 20. 2013 or something and um that pirate ship still still freaks me out every time it goes off it's i have not every time yeah the pirate ship's great they had it all dressed up um in christmas lights uh recently but yeah gotcha well jc appreciate it I've been talking to jc allen bucks reporter and writer for sports illustrated's bucks game he also hosts a podcast called pirate parlay check it out saints Seven and eight bucks, eight and seven going at it this weekend. Woohoo! Let's do it. <laughs> NFC South on the line, baby. Thanks yeah. so much for your time, man. And uh, say hi to your cat for me. Absolutely. I and the kids, they're all here right now. You can talk oh, yeah, again. Yeah. I'll talk to you Thank guys you. later. Appreciate it, right, man. man. Thanks. Absolutely. Bye. All right. Thanks again to JC for coming on. You know, this is the first. Well, you know, it's I, I appreciate that this is the second rematch we've had in both times. We've had the same guest from the the earlier matchup and I, I, it is, it is funny to go back and kind of hear the, hear the tone and everything. You know, it's like we had, 
we had Des Desmond Johnson on, and it was like a week two. It was all this hope and optimism around what could happen with that team. And you know, by week by week, what was it? Uh, 14, 13? I think it was week fourteen. It was just like just get it over with, just end it. <laughs> uh, and and then it's but with but with JC, it's like I think that week four there was like cautious optimism with that Bucks team, but there was this idea that it was like yeah, this is still you know, a project, right? And now it's like eight and seven, like, fuck yeah. Even even though after that game, they, that is the funny thing. It's like, again, the Saints, and I said this, like the Saints have only seen the Bucs at, at high points. They've not seen the Bucs at low points. And the entirety between the games was low points, you know? they A one in six stretch in this season, and they're going to win the NFC South. Think about that. That's what, It's like what makes this season even, you know, you look at, you look at just – everything that's happened with the saints the teams around them and it's just a just a sad season uh overall with this this saint squad a lot of disappointment considering what we all thought when we saw this schedule yeah the frustration is that it's 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 not over but it feels over right because even if the saints win this week they would need the panthers to beat the bucks in week 18 but i think for the pride of this saints team right if like I think it is an important whether they make the playoffs or not, I think the ability to go out, whether you think Dennis Allen is the future, like there's a lot of members of this roster that you need to depend on going forward. And I would really like to see them show some pride and go out there and and win this game, right? You know, they've played well in the state of Florida, you know, but like like they it was not that long ago they went out there with Dennis Allen in 2020 and won nine to nothing, right? Like this this team has played well in that stadium. And so, you know, it would be nice to and, – and the, the funny thing is, like, the Bucks are a game over 500, right? It would be nice to kind of force them to take a seat and be like, we are a 500 football team heading into Week 18 – and then have to force them to make that decision of like, is Baker really the guy? Because is like they also played in the dog shit division, right? Like they, if they were a good team, wouldn't they be you know ten and seven at minimum, right? So I, I don't know. I just think it's funny because they're going to be what well, you know they're going to be the ones that have to make that decision now of like, is this good enough? Do we need to? Because I don't know if that is. And you know, at least the Saints aren't the only ones. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I, I'm very curious to, to see, too, is like I, I don't see how you don't pay Baker, but how much are they willing to dole out to him? Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, like, so is it going to be like a Jameis deal, right? Like what Jameis is currently on, right? He What did he sign? Two years, 26. I imagine that would be kind of where it is. But like, like or is it the Geno deal, right? It depends how, how much hardball Baker is going to play. Because right. I can't, I, I don't think Baker has less leverage than Gino did. So it's really more of a question of how committed are the Bucks to this to this project, and we'll have to see. And I think, but I think going out and winning the NFC South this week, like I think there's a lot at stake for both of these teams, and it's a little bit more than just winning the division, particularly for Baker. Like if, if like the Bucks finishing ten and seven and winning it on their terms. Feels like, I guess they wouldn't have to, because it, they they actually would clinch with a win this week. But either yeah. like I think clinching the NFC South this week and allowing for that week of rest, whereas like compared to losing this week and having to back in with a win over the Panthers, would feel very different. 
but maybe that's just me. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just speaking through black and gold colored glasses here. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. Like you, you got to worry. I would think though, if you're bucks, obviously you've seen what's happened, you know, with Baker in the past, he's, he's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type of player. And who's to say that he doesn't revert back to, you know, his bad Baker ways next season. They start giving him Hulu commercials again, and he just like falls <laughs> off a cliff. I right. do think you know he's talking about being locked in Raymond James Stadium instead of you know the other yeah, Cleveland Stadium, <laughs> right? You know it, it is funny, and like everyone, you kind of just look past it. But I, I, I feel like there is a pretty solid correlation between having way too much advertising and not being as good at football as you were when they gave you that advertising. It's pretty like, wild, like. Like all I see on TV are Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, right? Jalen Hurts. Suddenly, you know, and Baker, right? But Baker got that advertising because he was good in 2020. And then it just all kind of fell off a cliff, right? Uh, and I just think it's it's funny. Like it's like there has to be there, there is a there does feel like there's a correlation. Even I'll say Cam Jordan had a little, you know, it's has had a drop off this year. He had that Caesars commercial. Caesar, yeah, Little, little Caesars. Caesars. Little Caesars, yeah. right. <laughs> he had several Little Caesars commercials, <laughs> and they're funny, and I appreciate them. But like the quality of the commercials does not seem to correlate to the quality of the play. I totally agree with that, man. And now we're looking at It's like all I see on TV is Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes talking to Jake from State Farm, whose real name is Kevin. <laughs> I looked this up because I was like, what happened to the original Jake from State Farm? <laughs> I guess they didn't, they didn't pay him. Whose name was actually Jake. I think his name is Jake Stone in real life. Um, now it's Kevin Miles, uh, who I'm sure like he, you know, you would be you you would be flabbergasted by how much money those like top spokesmen make. Like Flo from Progressive makes an insane oh, amount. Kevin's right. State Farm. Uh, Jake from State Farm, whose name is Kevin. Um, but yeah, anyway, I don't even know. Yeah. So if the Bucks, if the Bucks want to re-sign Baker to a long-term deal. They have to add a clause in there that says you are only allowed, like you know how the Kyler had like the the study requirement, like yeah. Baker will have to have like a like an advertising minimum. Where, you, know, like you can only be in, you can only spend like two hours per week on commercial shoots. <laughs> yeah, because you know, obviously he's, he's a good personality, and I'm sure that the Tampa Bay market's going to want to, you know, flood those uh, commercial waves with uh, pics of Baker or who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah. The NIL of the NFL? Yes. <laughs> but all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. I want to talk about what Mickey Loomis said this week uh, about drafting quarterbacks, which is, you know, effectively a no comment, which I think is interesting. And then we're going to hit on X-Factors as we do heading into this Week 18 matchup with the Bucks. Saints still alive in the playoffs, but barely. And that is where I'll leave it. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And who that will be right back.